Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. Today I have returning as a special guest from the Willard Library in Battle Creek, Michigan, Mac McCullough. And joining him is author Sonia Bernard Hollins, who has a book that she co-authored called Here I Stand, which explores some of the amazing history of the El Grotto Lounge in Battle Creek, Michigan, as well as a lot of other early music history in Battle Creek. The El Grotto Lounge was opened in 1949 by Robert and Helen Montgomery and became an iconic landmark where many legendary black musicians launched their careers. Names like Junior Walker and the All-Stars, Al Green, Jackie Beavers, Johnny Bristol, and even a comedian, Jimmy Lynch, performed there when their careers were just beginning. So we're going to explore some of that exciting history today and talk about other amazing stories about an event that's coming up called the Sound of Freedom. So welcome back to the show, Mac. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Sonia, can we start with you and maybe have you introduce yourself? How did you become interested in this history? Well, I'm a native of Kalamazoo, and my passion has always been journalism. Even when I was a kid, I would uh-huh. look at the Ebony and Jet magazines that came to my grandmother's house, and people would always say, I want to be famous like them. And I would always mm-hmm. say, I want to meet those people and write about them. Right. Like, that was my thing. <laughs> I want to travel and meet these people and, yeah. and write these stories. So even as early as elementary school, I started working on school little newsletters, yearbook in high school, and then eventually ended up going to KBCC, Kalamazoo Valley Community mm-hmm. College where I was an opinion editor for the Tower Times. Wow. And then went over to Western Michigan University and worked on the newspaper there and had an internship at the Akron Beacon Journal um, two days after I graduated from college. And during that summer, I learned about a place called the Battle Creek Inquirer Mm -hmm. and was interviewed and became the neighbor's reporter back in 1993. Wow. And when I came on, there was a... There was a story happening about this musician named Wade Flemings. Oh, okay. He had just died, and they were doing this big story, and there were these musicians coming from all over for his funeral. And I was like, I never heard of Wade Flemings. Who is he? Well, I eventually learned from Bobby Holly that Wade wasn't the only musician from Battle Creek, that there were tons of other musicians, and their stories had never been told. So oh. fast forward, Bobby introduced me to a lot of the musicians. We met, did a lot of interviews. Uh, for a book called Here I Stand, named for Wade Flemings' first hit when he was still a student at Battle Creek Central. Wow. Wow. So you've, you've written that as a history book, but you've also written some other books as well, right? Yes. Uh, uh, my husband and I co-own Season Press. So uh, I worked at the Kalamazoo Gazette after I left the Inquirer. And then when MLive bought the Gazette, it was kind of like, See ya, everybody. Try to reinvent yourself. Right, <laughs> so right. <laughs> we uh, reinvented ourselves because he's like, "Who did your book?" You know, here I stand. We're like, "Well, we did it," and uh-huh. we just started doing other books. So we published over, self-published over two hundred books for um, authors, and we've written five of our own. I've also helped ghostwrite some local history on the Douglas Community Center, wow. working on something for the Family Health Center in Kalamazoo, and I've also written a book about Merce Tate 
who I have a youth organization that I found it named for her. And she was a graduate of Battle Creek Central and an amazing woman. So yeah, I have a few different projects out, but they all usually center around history in some way. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Now, Mac, for the listeners that may have missed some of the earlier interviews you did with me, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and your role at the Willard Library? Sure, I'll start with my role at the Willard Library. I have been here about, uh, well, since... 1st of 2017, and my title is a mouthful. It's a local digital collections and community engagement librarian. Uh Um, And what that means is that, you know, I wear a lot of hats, but one of those hats is that I uh, am in charge of the uh, historical archive storage area. um, And I try to prepare materials and and books, um, yearbooks, newspapers, and other things for um, uh, making it accessible on the library's website. Um, and so I'm also on the Historical Society board, and uh, that's how you and I sort of got to know each other as well. Right. Um, you know, and I do a lot around that, but uh, I came here in 98. I didn't know you came that five years before I did, so uh-huh. I, but I came to the Inquirer in, in 1998 and uh, was the managing editor at the time and eventually, you know, climbed the ladder and then eventually got knocked off the ladder in 2016, right. uh, like a lot of other journalists. But uh, So you were both at the Inquirer at the same time, is that right? Just We different. had some overlap, yes. Oh, right. wow. When did you leave the Inquirer? So I was there from 93 to like 95 or something that I left for a couple years, and then mm-hmm. Leslie Reardon passed away. Right. And yeah. then um, I think that's when I... That you were introduced, or however, but I ended up coming back oh, to the okay. Yeah, Leslie Rarden, wow, what an amazing columnist she was at the paper. Yes. Wow. So, Sonia, could you tell us a little of the history of the El Grotto Lounge and the Montgomery's? Yeah, so when I, when I first talked with Bobby Holly, who introduced me to all these musicians, mm-hmm. he said, you need to start from the beginning. So we started with the Bellman and Waiters Club which was an African-American club for men in the community who were, you know, they were chauffeurs or, you know, servants or laborers in the community. And they did not have a place where they could really go and feel welcome to just have a drink after work and just unwind and be themselves. And Snap Montgomery was one of those guys who was a member of the Bellman and Waiters Club. Uh Well, one day he was in the Hart Hotel where he worked and he went to the bar to get a drink. And after he finished drinking, the bartender broke the glass and threw it away. And wow. he was like, okay. He went home, told his wife. They got their money together and said, we'll start our own club. Wow. And so it was a little different than Bellman and Waiters, where the men there just kind of were all men. They were kind of hanging out. There, uh-huh. was some, there were some performers who came through Bellman and Waiters, maybe some jazz musicians in between Chicago and Detroit with, you know, would stop through and uh-huh. do some sets. But Helen and Snap had a different vision something where there was dancing, there was you know live performances, there was interaction. Anybody who wanted to have a stage, the Montgomery's allowed them to use that uh, at the El Grotto. Wow. So I learned about that and I thought it was fascinating that uh-huh. we always hear about Motown, but you never hear about Battle Creek. And I know about Junior Walker and the All-Stars, uh-huh. but I never knew that their song Shotgun was actually created at the El Grotto. So it just became interesting to me to say, well, if I don't know this, other people don't know it either. So that's correct. I want to yeah. share it. And, you know, through those interviews with a lot of the guys, um, Vic Thomas was like the first person I interviewed. He was the first organist for Junior Walker and the All-Stars. Uh-huh. And after I interviewed him, 
mean, he, he shared his the outfits that he still had in the attic that they used to wear. He had a gold record, I believe, in the attic. He had like all this amazing history that he was a bus driver for the community. So wow. people did not know that this bus driver had been on Motown, traveled the world as a musician and all that stuff. So Vic told me a lot of cool stuff like Junior Walker used to wear a, a tie and when they got really famous, people would grab his tie. The woman would grab his tie and it would choke him. So he started wearing clip-on ties, you know, <laughs> you know little things like that that he would um, talk about. And uh-huh. he gave me a lot of background history on the group, how they started in mm-hmm. South Bend, you know, all the uh, the things that they went through. And he actually was basically let go from the group by, by Junior Walker and had a little... Um, disgruntlement, I would say, mm-hmm. when I interviewed him. And he said, I'm only doing this because Bobby asked me. And after this, I'm not talking about it anymore. And mm-hmm. he never talked about it anymore. He yeah. wouldn't come to any events we had. He wouldn't anything. So, I mean, mm. it was a it was a blessing for me to be able to hear those stories from him for one last time, you know, so he could share them. Right. But a lot of the guys told me stories and, and some of the women, too, you know, about the different musicians who came through. And Jimmy Lynch, who was a comedian, Mm-hmm. Jimmy Lynch went on to be the sidekick for Dolomite. He was African-American, mm-hmm. soul comedian slash actor slash, I don't know, all the black exploitation, you know, stuff you can name. <laughs> but they were they were partners together. So, you know, one of the albums he had is called Live from the El Grotto. It's a comedy mm-hmm. little album. So it was just fun learning about these people who I had never heard of and no one had ever even asked about. Wow. And they were living right underneath our noses all the time. Wow. Where was the El Grotto located in town? That was off of was off of Jackson, and there's a little street back there. I have to look at the address, but I have pictures in the book here I stand. Oh, okay, okay. So it's down Jackson Street somewhere, probably not, probably not far from the museum? or. I, I thought it was on Kendall Street. Oh, maybe you're right. Kendall? Yeah, okay. Does it go bounce into Jackson? It does. Okay. It does. Okay. 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 So, yeah. Because they called it the corner for years. It was called the corner. People knew it as the corner because it was, I guess, on the corner or whatever. Right, right. And then they changed it to the El Grotto, I think, later on, right? Well, it was always called the El Grotto, but people just called it the corner. I oh, think was, okay. Was, okay. Was slang name for it. Um, you know, it, along with other names that people called it. <laughs> throughout the, <laughs> it does the building still stand today or has it been raised? No, I know at one point, Bobby and some of the guys had talked about renovating it. Uh-huh. During my book, at one point, someone did buy it, and they renovated it, and it was a club, but it was for younger people, okay. and there were a lot of um, issues going on, so that closed down, and mm-hmm. then I know the guys were trying to redo it for, like, an older person's club, mm-hmm. and then one day, he said he just saw they were tearing it down, like, mm-hmm. no notice or anything, and it was gone. Wow. So that was unfortunate. Wow, that's too bad. piece of a nice landmark of history it could have been... Mm-hmm. You know, a museum in itself. I mean, it was so many, so many legendary stars started their careers there. Mm-hmm. And Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali had visited there, and Joe Lewis. You know, wow. there were other people that came through the El Grotto wow. um, through the day. I wish they would have took more, taken more pictures of all those people when they were there. But there is a picture of Muhammad Ali that was mm-hmm. in the Enquirer files of him in front of the El Grotto, in front of his convertible when he came. Wow, the town. Wow. So. So what was your favorite discovery that you came across that, you know, when you were researching your book? Hmm. I mean, I think the coolest thing was learning about Wade Flemings and him founding Earth, Wind & Fire with Maurice White. Yeah. Because I'd always heard of Earth, Wind & Fire. 
mm-hmm. I had never heard of Wade Flemings or you know anything like that. So to be able to have that connection to a, a group I had always known about, but never knew the foundation of it, starting off with Wade Flemings and the newcomers, then Wade Flemings, yeah. then you know Salty Peppers, and you know the guys meeting Maurice and Wade met in Chicago, I believe at Chess Records. Maurice was working at Chess Records, and they met and started their group along with Sherry Scott, um, a singer, and they, you know, were doing amazing things. And then some, you know, with all things, things happen and guys, you know, have issues and they kick each other out of the group or whatever happens. Mm-hmm. And so Wade left the group and Sherry left the group uh, as well. And mm-hmm. Maurice White became the lead of that, um, that band. And I actually interviewed him when I was writing the book. Mm-hmm. I got in touch with him and he called me back. And he had, I think he was getting, he was sick because I think he ended up dying of cancer or something, but he was, he was a little sick at that time. Oh, I and I asked him why he didn't come to Wade's funeral. And he said he was, he regretted that he didn't do that, uh-huh. that he should not have let their issues, you know, last that long. And uh, so it was just good to have that connection and to hear a lot of the men in the, that interview had issues with their band members throughout the years and to talk with them as a person who didn't have any clue about what happened with them and to make them like think about it and say, you know what, that was really silly. We really shouldn't have, you know, separated or, you know, had those issues. We wish we wouldn't have had such a long period of time in between. One of the guys, Bill, Bill Sticks Nixon lives in Bill Sticks Nicks. He was the drummer for Junior Walker and the All-Stars when they were in South Bend. And it was actually his band that he invited Junior Walker to join. Oh, and he would okay. perform on a local like uh, American Bandstand type show in, in South Bend. And then Junior Walker took the members and left. Bill, you know, <laughs> and, and so it, it was it's a lot of, you know, issues that I learned about and things that they told me. And, and Bill was going around with the, the new All-Stars group for years. He was doing the covers of, of Junior Walker's. Okay. But so it was just interesting hearing all the dynamics, learning about the entertainment and the business aspect of these musicians that they did not. Some of them didn't realize the difference, mm-hmm. which came to their demise because they didn't like. So when I talked to um, Jerry Butler, they called Jerry Butler the Iceman. He was also a, a singer out of um, Chicago and was Wade. Wade was his best man in his wedding. Wow. And he said Wade was an amazing entertainer, but a terrible businessman. Oh. And if you don't know how to balance the two, your career could be very short. So I think he was a great entertainer, but he could have been even more had he had that business aspect, uh, more, more of a focus. So learning about the, yeah. the guys and some of their their trials and triumphs, I think, you know, was amazing. And never having told this to anybody, it made me feel very blessed to have the opportunity to share these stories with them. Yeah, Wade was pretty young when he had his first big success. He was like 16, still in high school. So you can mm-hmm. imagine that he probably didn't have a lot of real-world business experience like some mm-hmm. of the other guys probably did, you know? Well, you know, I think the other guys, they didn't really have it either, but sometimes I think people take the entertainment part too seriously mm-hmm. and not realize, okay, let me focus on the business part. And I think that could have been, because they were a lot of them were young. A lot of them were yeah. young. A lot of them yeah. got taken advantage of in the industry, mm-hmm. but once they learned that, they kind of straightened up and said, okay, I need to need to focus. By the time mm-hmm. I think Wade would have learned about that, that's when the band, it was over. 
um, with he and Morris Reese Wright. And I think he tried to start other bands and they just never had the same success. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking earlier today, you had an interesting anecdote about how Junior Walker and the All-Star were commuting from South Bend to Battle Creek on weekends to the El Grotto. And then well, t- tell us the story of what happened there. They, they broke down their car somewhere in Kalamazoo, right? And yeah, so they were coming from, from uh, South Bend, and they were on the old 131. Mm-hmm. And if somebody had to walk to a payphone, because, of course, there were no cell phones back there. <laughs> right. And they, they called, Helen Montgomery called the club and said, we're going to be late. Our car broke down. So Melvin Evans went to meet them on old 131. And Helen said, why don't you guys just move here? Just just move here, be our house band. We'll uh-huh. perform for everybody. I'll pay you well. We'll help find a home. And that's what happened. All the guys moved from South Bend to Battle Creek, and they became the official house band for the Grotto. So like El Green, when he was a young musician, he would come up to perform. Uh And Junior Walker and All-Stars was the band that backed him up when he performed. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting to learn uh, that she saw that they had talent and potential, and she wanted to embrace that and give them a new opportunity yeah and they wrote shotgun at the el grotto right 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 they were playing this is what vic thomas told me they were playing the land of a thousand dances Mm -hmm. and one girl was doing a dance and they said what is that called and she said the shotgun and they just start improvising and (laughs) Helen said we need to record that and they took it to to barry gordy and the rest is history wow wow (laughs) now did, did you get a chance to interview al green because I understand he's still alive, right? Right. Yeah. No, I, I called him, had a couple, you know, opportunities to send what we were doing, you mm-hmm. know, writing the story. And then he never replied. And then like a couple years later, his own book came out. Ah, that's what <laughs> it was. Yeah. yeah. His <laughs> own book came out and I believe it opened up about him at the El Grotto. So mm-hmm. I think we just gave him some motivation to, to write his own book. But wow. no, we never had a personal. Well, it's just that. great that you took time to preserve that history because so many of those people that you interviewed in the book are no longer with us, and that's mm-hmm. like lost treasures, you know. Yeah, that's true. When we did the debut of the book at Kellogg Auditorium, all the musicians came together and performed. We had the Velvetless were there. I think it was the Miracles mm-hmm. were from Motown. They they performed, wow. and so it was just a good opportunity for them to all be together mm-hmm. at one time and have that stage and that audience. Um, so it, it was a really good feeling. It was a really good feeling. Bobby Holly said to me afterwards, he was like, this is all because of you. Wow. This is, he said, now people will remember us because of you. And wow. that, that just means everything. That, that is that is very yeah. special. So Mac, you've been working with Sonia and a whole group of other folks to put on a very special event that's coming up called the Sound of Freedom. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, the Sound of Freedom actually came up in a brainstorming session. Uh, the library, um, we part, we partnered with the Juneteenth Committee for quite some time now uh-huh. um, and always are at the event. But we decided we wanted to do some internal programming uh, uh-huh. as well. And uh, one of my colleagues mentioned that it's also African-American Music Appreciation Month. Okay. And started throwing some ideas around different about different displays we might do at the library. And, you know, I had... Um, obviously, I was at, at the Enquirer when Sonia's book was published and uh, knew a little bit. And, uh, and I'd also been working on the uh, uh, Tours of Battle Creek app that's, that's out there now. And one of the things that I discovered was um, in just researching 
uh, for Junior Walker information because that's one of the stops at Oak Hill Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, was there was nothing. Um, there was just nothing in the newspaper, or very little. Right. Um, and in fact, uh, when uh, I was researching, I came across an article in which Bobby Hawley is quoted as saying, you know, Battle Creek had this icon uh, living in its midst and he could have gone anywhere. Right. And Battle Creek missed it. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, it's extraordinary um, how little the history is known. And, and actually, I bugged Bobby for a few years, or not a few years, a year or so, about let's do something. Um, uh-huh. And uh, this opportunity just came up. And, uh, you know, this is one of the things that librarians do is they bring in brilliant mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and great people, great writers to uh, talk about their work. And, uh, of course, I had that connection with Sonia and I reached out to her. And, and so that's history. Um, you know, in, in addition, we're trying to uh, include people to speak or share memories who are contemporaries of that era. Um, Bobby Holly will certainly be a big part of the program, but we also wanted to tie it to some of the young contemporary artists who are up and coming in Battle Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the, the landscape is different, the environment is different, but it's still difficult in a city of the size of Battle Creek um, to really get your art noticed, you know, and to have people know about it and yeah. to have a community wrap around it. And so I thought that this would be a great opportunity to say, we have this legacy, this amazing legacy right here in Battle Creek. And it's not just the past, we have some amazing people now Right. Uh, you know, people are making history now. They just don't know it yet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so that's that's where it came from. And so we've done this pretty quickly. It's been a few only a few weeks that we started throwing this together. But luckily, Sonia is prepared because <laughs> she's yeah. done a lot of work on this, a lot of legwork. Yeah. Well, she's doing a lot to preserve some of the history of the El Grotto because most people don't. It's a hard subject to find it, you know, and the fact that you interviewed a lot of the people that perform there. Um, that's that's really incredible. So what can people expect to see when they come to the event? It's on June 15th, right? June 15th, 6 o'clock at the museum, Regional History Museum on Jackson Street. Yep, 307 um, West Jackson Street. And it's at 6 p.m., and that's a Thursday evening, correct? That is correct. Okay. Um, we're budgeted for two hours. I don't know if we'll take two hours, but we're going to try to you know make sure we don't go over that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you're going to you're going to see one a retrospective of that history, and, and Sonia does a good job of not just tying it to music, but also just what brought um, African Americans to Battle Creek, mm-hmm. um, the landscape in the city, um, and some of the iconic people who visited, um, yeah. and just kind of really lays the you know, lays out the landscape and the environment that existed at that time. Um, the story she just told about um, Mr. Montgomery and why he and his wife, Helen, uh, you know, created the El Grotto. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a pretty poignant story. And that's what she opens the book up with. Right. Um, and so you'll get a lot of that. And we're really hoping that, uh, you know, that a lot of people who remember that era also come and say, hey, I remember this. Or they might ask a question. Uh, we really want it to be a, a community event, and we are having it um, professionally recorded um, and producing a video that will be available at the end of the month. So it's kind of it'll be part of our historic archive, part of our historic oh, legacy. That's exciting, and tickets are free, right? Yeah. Free, where where free. can they get tickets at? You can get them at either Willard Library on Van Buren downtown or at the Helen Warner branch. Um, and uh, just stop by and, and you can get 
get as many as you want. Awesome. And the exciting part is Sonia is going to have her book there at the event, and she'll be signing copies. So you can buy a copy of Here I Stand. You want to tell us a little bit about that? The title comes from Wade Fleming's song, right? Yes. Yes. So that book has been through so many different uh, editions. It's been ridiculous. But <laughs> I finally stopped. I'm like, I just can't, I just can't keep going through it. So yeah. I finally stopped. But yeah, it'll be available in hardcover and uh, soft cover edition. And any musicians who are there, I will welcome them to, to sign it as well for people. That's exciting. That's going to be great. So we'll have that at the museum and people can pick up tickets. People are already getting tickets right now. So they probably need to hurry on over there uh, this week or this weekend to come on out there. Or maybe they'll be hearing this show on Sunday here. So you guys are going to want to get over to the library this week and get your tickets before they are all gone, because this is going to be a tremendous presentation. Uh, any last uh, words you'd like to tell people about the program, Sonia? Um, just, I think this is a great opportunity to see some of the legends who are still alive in Battle Creek, especially yeah. for young people who are into music. This would be a great opportunity for them to learn more about the history of the musicians who live around them and maybe even get advice from them on how to be successful. So I just... Um, everybody can come out and enjoy it and learn something new that's a good point so this is really a good event for young and old alike that's great any last uh, comments here mac that you want to tell folks about i think we covered it pretty well but i didn't mention that in the uh in the multimedia presentation there's some nice uh audio embedded in that as well so you're going to get to hear the amazing saxophone of Junior Walker, for example, and the amazing voice of Wade Flemons. And, and yeah. uh, you know, it's just, uh, and Bobby Hawley, you know, his right. recorded singles. Um, you know, and, and seeing old photos of Bobby Hawley is pretty cool, too. He looks just the same, but. Yeah, he does. Know. He has that big smile <laughs> that just lights up a room. Um, I have one lingering question. Did you ever get a chance to talk to the Montgomery's before they passed? Because I don't remember what era they passed away. Yeah, no. The, the, what I heard about Helen is that she was making a barbecue for a lot of the musicians, and uh -huh. she put gasoline or something on the fire, and it caught hold of her, and, and she burned um, oh. in that fire. And I, I don't know if, I think her husband may have passed away before that, but I, mean, I never had an opportunity to meet them. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. So I have a fund at the Kalamazoo, I mean, at the Battle Creek Community Foundation in her honor, the uh -huh. Helen Montgomery Music Fund. For any young people who are going into music, uh, into college, you can apply for a scholarship through that fund in her name. That's great. Great. Well, I'll look at Link Up, and I'll put the link to that in the description. Uh, do you have, like, an author website you prefer people to buy books if they, they can't come to the event, they want to buy a copy of Here I Stand? They can go on Amazon and oh, okay. look me up and see all the, all the books I have there. Okay, or great. Or they can go to seasonpressinc.com. Okay, awesome. great. So I will put the link to that in the description of the video for you folks. And that's going to conclude today's journey through history. Thank you very uh, very much for coming on today, guys. Um, really a pleasure having you here, Sonia and Mac. It's always great to talk. I'm just blown away about how much research that you did on this book and how people really need to get this book and have it in their collection. So I hope they can show up at the event and get a signed copy but if they can't then definitely find a copy online because it's a, definitely a treasure of you know southwest michigan history that people don't know about you know so thank you, thank you.
And we always tell people, yes, please support authors and buy the books. But we do have them at Willard Library for checkout as well. Awesome. That's great. So I have been speaking with Mac McCullough from the Willard Library in Battle Creek, Michigan, and also author Sonia Bernard Hollins, who has written the book Here I Stand, which includes a lot of the early African-American musician history from Battle Creek, particularly surrounding the El Grotto Lounge. And I'm going to put the links to her book in the description of this podcast episode. If you enjoyed today's interview, please take a minute to leave a review on whatever app that you are listening on. It helps this podcast tremendously in reaching new listeners and sharing the wonderful history of Southwest Michigan. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past, thank you for listening. <laughs>